Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love to talk about business in the law, what's going on at the legal front. Um, Lee Kaplan is such a tremendous resource for the Price of Business. And uh, we, we, in our time together, have talked about politics on all levels, federal, state, and local, multiple levels of local, uh, as well as business issues, you name it. And I always have a great time with him. Um, he's an attorney uh, with just a very broad sense of interest of what's going on in the larger culture. And you can tell that in every conversation we had. Lee, welcome back as always. Real quickly, uh, changes that have happened with you in the last year uh, with, with changing uh, firms. Real, real, real quickly, get us up to date on that. Well, I I, uh, helped start a new law firm called Murphy Ball Stratton, and uh, we are a bunch of lawyers who have a deep experience in working for courts as as law clerks, both the Texas Supreme Court, federal district courts, federal courts of appeal, and a U.S. Supreme Court clerk. And uh, we're very interested in law, but what we do is litigation, whether it's trials, appeals, mediations, or arbitrations. And uh, all of our our lawyers are well-versed in that, even the youngest lawyer who's already participated in a trial and uh, an argument. So we're having fun, and uh, we get new clients uh, every week, almost every day, and we're pretty busy, and we expect to continue that way. So yeah, absolutely. And, and give that website. It's mbssmartlaw.com. So there are two S's in the middle, mbssmartlaw.com. And you can look at the biographies of the lawyers there and get a, an inkling of what we do. Absolutely. People should. Let's talk real quickly. Uh, you know, it's so interesting over the years. You know, I've been involved in politics and public policy since the 80s. I feel old when I say that, uh, but I've been talking about this stuff, and of course I've had a radio show now since uh, the early 2000s, uh, that this business show, with a lot of discussion on uh, politics and, of course, the law. And it's been interesting to see the evolution of the interest in the law uh, in, in terms of a public policy process. I, I attribute that a lot to the uh, 24-hour news cycle, uh, I attributed a lot to uh, everything from uh, legislators to presidents, particularly with executive orders going places where no one has ever gone before. You know, hey, let's just forget student loans by executive order. Uh, you know, I attribute it to a lot of things. This is very, very different than what it used to be. Um, and and now, you know, you could you, you could practically have a Supreme Court. Uh, you know, entertainment channel. They've got true crime, crime channels, reality channels, and that type of thing. You could practically have a Supreme Court one uh, because these are not minor issues. They're dramatic. And what we're seeing, a uh, great article from the Washington Post, and as you know, uh, they do a regular series on my program, the regulars on the program, uh, as you are, Lee. And uh, it's a great, great series about this list of issues coming up for this Supreme Court that frankly, three or four of them alone would be, you know, profoundly important uh, over three or four years, let alone in one year. 
uh, it's very, very uh, interesting when you look at how important the court is today. And I think it speaks a lot about how polarized we are politically as well. Well, that's right. The administrative state, one used to think that when the Democrats were in power, i.e. had the presidency and the Congress, that that's when we had more interference in persons' lives. But now we're going in uh, both directions. The Republicans, who hold sway on on the United States Supreme Court, for example, and the Texas Supreme Court, are overturning things right and left and making different different rules, and a lot of the cases uh, concern what I call the law of unintended consequences. The most recent one is the Alabama Supreme Court decision that embryos are persons, and therefore if somebody drops a container containing embryos at a, a fertility clinic, they can be sued perhaps for manslaughter because the embryo is a person, according to the Alabama Supreme Court, which is really reacting to and I think following the Alabama legislature's findings. So Mm -hmm. there are all these unexpected, unintended, and frankly ridiculous consequences. Uh, I've been seeing some of the memes in which somebody has said, well, I've got possession of 27 embryos. They're all persons. Can I take deductions for them as dependents on my tax return? And, you know, it's not so far-fetched. And now we're seeing Donald Trump rushing to say that he believes in in vitro fertilization, and therefore they're going to need to change the law. Even Tommy Tuberville, who is probably one of the least educated, dumbest United States senators, said we need to do something about this. So yeah, yeah. You know, these are the kind of things that in the same breath he said that he supported Alabama's Supreme Court decision. He said, "Oh, wait a minute, this isn't good." <laughs> in the same breath, I mean, that guy obviously played football. Not only did he coach, and I get the impression impression he did so without a helmet. But anyway, go ahead. Right. Well, it's just uh, you know we are so polarized that apparently. No Republicans can stop to think about the consequences of something like that. And conversely, no Democrats seem to think about the consequences of not having enough immigration enforcement. And yeah. and we are terribly polarized, and the courts have been drawn into that even more than before. I think, frankly, the most revolutionary thing that's happening is the lawsuit to overturn what we call the Chevron Doctrine. And the Chevron Doctrine is essentially the idea that the decisions of federal administrative agencies, unless, you know, they're really outside the pale or, you know, I don't know what standard they're going to adopt next, have generally been upheld in the past. And that goes way back for many years. Uh, Chevron is a decades-old case. But I think there's a good chance that the United States Supreme Court will significantly modify that rule and uh, look a lot more closely and skeptically at the decisions of administrative agencies. I want well, and they did that United right last year. Last year in the last uh, decisions they made, one of them was geared towards the Department of Labor. And they simply said, you went too far. There's no basis for this in the perimeter of of the law that was passed by Congress. 
I think that Trump is, you know, since this is a civil case, I think they're going to run from it, and that judgment will stand. And after all, Trump is now in Florida, so what does he care? I mean, I know he cares, but uh, I believe that that judgment will stand. Well, I think he cares most about the half a billion. That was a bee listener. Half a, <laughs> half a billion dollars. Uh, I, right. I think he's quickly becoming a millionaire. Uh, the former billionaire we're going to be staying, staying before law. I look at it, and, you know, I look at the history of cases like this, and there has to be some, you know, typically there has to be someone who files a complaint. And not only have banks not filed a complaint about this uh, because they got all of their money from Trump, we hear how terrible he is with uh, small business owner that owners, he allegedly has with small business owners that he uh, has as vendors, but he's always paid banks, and he's paid banks back on time. And, you know, what, 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 you know, to me, it's like you know, the old Soviet three felonies a day. Uh, you know, we've got something on you no matter what. Uh, I bet if they did, did some due diligence on other loans, Donald Trump wouldn't be the only one. And so it seems targeted, seems very political. I think it is political, but as I understand the argument, it is when banks give lower interest rates to some people who don't follow the rules, that affects all of us who are small-time borrowers because they've got, they want to make money, and theoretically a bank has a choice in how, how it makes money. But uh, if there are rules for lending to which he's subject, unless somebody's going to claim these rules are truly unconstitutional as per New York law or United States federal law, then I think Trump's stuck. And I'm uh, I'm not unsympathetic to the article, the argument that he paid everybody back, but he paid a lot less interest. And it means that if I'm trying to borrow money from those banks, then I'm getting screwed because I'm paying a higher interest rate. If you really do believe that small business is important and uh, small businesses make up the bulk of our economy, then banks that discriminate against them by giving sweetheart deals to the Trumps of the world are hurting our economy, not helping it. So there's an argument that I think is persuasive enough that the United States Supreme Court, if there's any basis for jurisdiction, will decline it. Mm -hmm. So you and I already talked about this again, but it's certainly on the radar scene, and we won't know until the summer how it's adjudicated, but whether January 6th rioters and Trump can be charged with obstruction, Fisher versus U.S. Your thoughts? Well, it's not a good look for Trump that uh, this gentleman who just pled recently uh, is found to have lied about what emails and texts he sent about ways to obstruct the election and and affect the results. Um, so uh, the longer that pop bubbles, it is possible that Trump supporters will think that's discrimination. But the truth is the Trump base is still a minority. And it's a question of whether Biden over time will be able to persuade people that his somewhat weak administration um, when it comes to the border in particular is still better than the alternative in the chaos of the Trump years. So if I were to predict, I would predict that 
Uh, Trump will not be successful in his lawsuits, uh, whether he's defending them or, or prosecuting them. I further predict that he will lose the election, despite, in my mind, Biden's uh, general ineptitude uh, in politics. And I think that the government shutdown that the Republicans are, are on the verge of creating now is also something that will hurt their brand greatly. We have a speaker yeah. from, I don't know, Oklahoma, who seems to be way out of his depth. And if you let just a few crazies, and they are crazies, dominate everything in Republican thinking, they're going to lose again. And I think that's yeah. going to leave the country divided, but they are going to lose again. And we mm-hmm. will go on yeah. as before. Yeah, they actually really do everything they can in their power. Not all of them. You know, there are serious ones. And, of course, you and I know that they are retiring as quickly as humanly possible. They already they already see the tea leaves. They don't want to be around for that mess. Um, you know, all the serious legislators are leaving in the GOP. Very few left. Um, but, yeah, they, you know, they, they've seen the tea leaves. And it's, it's, it's though the Republicans are allergic to legislating, they don't want to legislate. They're disdain for uh, big government has evolved into a disdain for governing. And that's why it's become a pure chaos party, my opinion. I think that's a real risk that, that not only they run, but the country runs. We've always been better when we've had two parties that are a little closer to the middle than yeah. they are now. And the divergence now is dangerous. Um, and we see that even locally. Um, I think it's fascinating that the Texas legislature has never seriously considered a red flag law. The idea that the Second Amendment precludes you from keeping mentally ill people from having guns, I find laughable. And when people hear that uh, about some of these murders that have occurred by people who, despite their mental illness, got guns, that's very surprising to me. Um, And I don't know whether the Republicans can lose on something like that, but I don't believe, I mean, if we look at Texas, the five largest cities are pretty blue. And over time, that's only going to increase. And so I think the Republicans are fighting ultimately a losing battle in Texas, which is a very conservative state. Um, And whether that takes 20 years, I don't know. But the pendulum will swing swing back, for better or worse. And sometimes it'll be worse, sometimes better. Usually it's worse both ways, either way, because they go from so long with an unacceptable view that they go to another extreme and find another unacceptable view. seems like we have a very difficult time having something that looks balanced. And your point is so well taken. If they are more alike in terms of being more moderate or reasonable, they, they compete with one another. They compete with one another in a healthy, good, robust way keeping things moving. Legislative successes are important. What we have now is this one party who absolutely loathes legis- legislating in a Republican party. They're not serious at all in that respect. 
And another party that I think is disconnected largely from reality when you look at their often elitist views that doesn't reflect their best values historically. And it wasn't that long ago where Democrats were more concerned about borders than Republicans were. And I'm talking 30-plus years ago, not a century ago. And uh, now they've become, to me, disconnected and out of touch in their own unique way. We need something more grounded in reality. Right. I mean, people, I don't think, understand just how popular Abbott's decision to send immigrants to other major metropolitan areas is among many parts of the country. The idea that New York can't absorb 20 or 30,000 immigrants and Texas should absorb, you know, a half a million is kind of ridiculous. And I think people in a lot of these states appreciate the fact that immigrants are being sent to those cities. Now, the truth is we've got 330 million Americans. We could easily, easily take in a million immigrants a year, legal or illegal. The Israelis have taken in much larger proportions, and we could do that too. And quite candidly, most people who immigrate uh, legally or illegally to the United States, they want to work. They want their kids to have a better life. And yes, it strains the local school systems to some extent, but those kids come out with hunger. And we get our fair share of criminals, but immigration has never harmed the United States. Whether it was yeah. the Irish or the Russian immigrants, those are people who added to the culture. They did not detract from it. And until the Republicans recognize that and the Democrats recognize the importance of having a system that's more orderly, we're going to continue to have that as a big issue. And it's probably Biden's biggest vulnerability. Yes, even though, ironically, Biden is now willing to work on it, and Republicans have chosen to make it into a football. And they're never going to get an offering based on the political demographics of what's going on now, like uh, they had negotiated in the Senate, uh, no time in the near future. It's such a squandered opportunity to get some serious reform. Um, it's just, I, I, I find it mind-boggling. I, if I was Langford, I would just resign because he's a senator from Oklahoma, because that was just pure insanity, poor governing at, at its height. It was, and the thing that's so frustrating, uh, Lee, is that Trump is so transparent in his agenda. He literally tells people, yeah, I'm okay with hundreds of thousands of immigrants coming in uh, versus a very tight number that would have happened under this new bill, and it helps me get elected. Pure narcissism. Pure narcissism. And the fact that we accept that as politics as usual is still shocking to me. Well, I can't believe is the cowardice of, say, Senator Cornyn, who literally turned tail on that bill. And that's yeah. just astounding to me. But I cannot believe some of the other Republicans. My, my, I've been redistricted or added into Congressman uh, Wesley Hunt's district. This is a guy who's highly credentialed, you know, was in the military, went to, I believe, Harvard Law School, and he has refused to have any part of, of not just aid to Ukraine or uh, Israel, but any kind of immigration reform, whereas he's got to know the importance of immigrants to our society. He's not stupid, but he's 
put politics well above the nation's interest. And that's really too bad. Yep. Well, this idea of censoring people, which the Republican Party has now made a habit in states around the country for representing their constituents, because that, those particular issues might be different from what the Republican Party believes in, means that politics takes precedent over the will of the people. And that is fundamentally a bad party. That's a bad way of a, a party projecting itself. I, I really, you know, again, you know, I, I got involved in politics in the Reagan campaign. I was a coordinator for Students for Reagan. Uh, and so I, when I hear me talk, it's just shocking. Uh, but at the same time, Lee, I am so shocked what this party, this party has evolved to, where they literally take down Ronald Reagan, the most successful Republican, in my opinion, in the modern era. They attack him. You know, uh, he's just another another Reagan type. This is what what Trump will, will say of DeSantis. Really, that's a bad thing. Boy, Americans get frankly used that. He was not perfect, but at least he was normal. And we don't have anything resembling that now. Right. Well, I've said this before, and I still believe it. What Ronald, what uh, Donald Trump did is merely legitimize or make respectable some of the most blatant, ignorant, uh, dangerous thoughts among voters. It used to be that it was not acceptable to hate people based on, um, among other things, their political orientation. But we've gone a long way from that. And now, if you stray from orthodoxy one bit, then you're going to get primaried. And that's yeah. just too bad. We need some group to be so revolted by that kind of approach that they return at least haltingly to the big tent philosophy. I mean, yes. Reagan yes. had that philosophy, and a lot of Democrats did too. The Democrats are maybe a little better about that, but they still have some people who I think are unfit to be in office, period. Yeah. It's almost like a contest between the two. Who can be worse? Republicans are really winning it pretty handedly, that contest uh, these days. But both of them are embarrassing. Both parties to me are embarrassing. Okay, we went way over, and we only scratched the surface. So we're going to do a part two on this segment. And uh, we're, we'll, in fact, uh, we'll have both of them there available at com. Lee Kaplan, you and I are going to continue in just a moment. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. I am Kevin Price, and this is the nationally syndicated Price of Business show. Stay tuned for more after this. <laughs> 